This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. This is Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to a special episode of Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. You're about to meet a man who has made it his life's work and mission to end child slavery globally. As we mark today the World Day Against Child Labor, Nobel Peace Laureate Kayla Satyathi has been working tirelessly to free children from slavery and exploitation for the last four decades. After countless raids and more than 88,000 children freed, I sat down with him to ask about how this all started for him. He shares some of the extraordinary stories of the children that he has saved, and he tells me how he plans on achieving his ambitious goals of ending child slavery. If there is one interview you need to hear, it is this one. All of that and more is next right here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. This is Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. During a raid, anything could happen. This boy has been missing for seven months. The child has been taken, taken to, Delhi. to Delhi. This is quite a dangerous area. We have been attacked there two times. Those who think that slavery has been abolished, they are wrong. I have seen corruption. Injured children with broken spirits. My colleagues and I have freed over 80,000 children. But that is not enough. Rescue operations and raids are important, but one tiny part of the whole movement. I have one single mission of my life that every child should be free to be a child. Free to laugh and cry, free to go to school, free to touch the sky. I have seen that change is possible. If you see any kind of abuse and exploitation of any child anywhere, break the silence. Break the silence. These are the words of the incredible Kailash Satyarthi, a man who 40 years ago in India stood up as one person and decided to do just that, leaving a lucrative career as an electrical engineer to start Bachpan Bachao Andalan, Save the Childhood Movement, to rescue children and their families from the shackles of slavery, paving the way for their reintegration into mainstream society. To date, we've seen more than 88,000 freed from labor, slavery, and exploitation through his and his foundation's efforts. And as I speak to him, 
It's clear to me that he's only just getting started. In 1998, Satyavi conceived and led the largest civil society network for the most exploited children, the global march against child labor that now happens on this day across 103 countries covering 80,000 kilometers, mobilizing unions, civil society, and most importantly, the children themselves. This march led to the adoption of the International Labor Organization Convention 182, on the worst forms of child labor, which went on to become the fastest ratified convention in the history of the ILO. In 2014, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for struggle against the suppression of children and young people and for the right of all children to education. As the world prepares to march for the rights of children today to live freely, I sat down with Kailash Satyathi to ask him where this mission started. The first day of my schooling was the first spark in my life to understand this serious problem of exploitation of children. When uh, I went to school at the age of five and a half, I saw a boy of my age uh, working as a cobbler outside the school gate and that has disturbed me from inside and I asked this question to my teacher and parents and everybody said that look they are poor children they have to work and help families. You looked at yourself going to school and looking yeah, at yeah, him working. At the boy who was sitting yeah. outside the school gate and that was really disturbing that why this child is not with the rest of us in the classroom and uh, nobody can convince me and then finally I asked this boy and father and father himself told that you guys are born to work, he said, born to go to school, but we are born to work, he said, with uh, utter uh, despair. And, and just uh, acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. And it is so uh, a kind of complacency of mind in the society, um, right from that boy's father to my teacher and my parents. And I challenged it, and that was the first spark. Uh, and I started looking the world with a different I and could distinguish the rights and wrongs in our own way. And then um, my parents wanted to make me engineer that I did and I taught in the university. But finally I, I follow my heart and my mind follows me. Then the rest of the world may follow what I am doing. So uh, I gave up my career. But I didn't know what to do for such children who are enslaved uh, because nobody was working on it. Uh, nothing was a written document to, uh, to use and learn from. So I started a magazine to educate the people about such things. And one day, a desperate father knocked my door whose daughter was about to be sold to a brothel. She was about uh, 14, 15 year old girl. The, name of this man was uh, Vasal Khan. So his daughter Sabo was about to be sold. So somehow he escaped from that area, the brick kiln where he was enslaved and the children, including this girl, was born in uh, slavery. Uh, so I started thinking when I was writing his story, I thought that if she was my daughter or my sister, what would I do? I would hold the whole world upside down. I will do every possible thing to rescue my, my daughter or my sister. I was 26. So I decided to go and free that 
girl and the whole family of Vasal Khan and I was uh, beaten up there badly my friends were beaten up we had to come empty hands but finally we were able to free 36 children women and men including my beautiful sister Sabo and uh, she was so so nice and so adorable she could have been sold to brothel because she was born in, in slavery. Something we can't even begin to imagine. So so I'm thankful to Vasal Khan and mm. Sabo who gave me some sort of, uh, who threw me some light on the barren empty land to make my own path. And um, then I started making my path. That's incredible uh, because you, this was the first time actually that you did this raid. It was the first time anybody did such kind of thing. Anybody, anybody. Had, there had is done no it. written document. There is no written evidence that any individual has freed the children from wow. slavery like that because nobody was prepared to accept that slavery is still exists like that. So we challenging that was the most difficult thing. Challenging that is the most difficult thing, and you know we are in 2019. How widespread is the problem still today? It's ironical that despite all the progress the world has made, uh, 152 million children are still working as child laborers in full-time jobs, producing wealth for others at the cost of their childhood freedom and education. Out of them, about 5 million are, are literally slaves. They are sold, they are bought in lesser price than the animals. But that was really a kind of United Nations data. The reality is much more grivier and bigger. We can see how these children who are the worst victims of conflicts in the Middle East or any other part of the world, the children who are victims and sufferers of global warming and displaced from their hometowns and home countries, they are easiest and susceptible for child marriages, child prostitution, child slavery, and nobody knows their number. We know that 50 million children are on move. The sufferers of conflict and global warming, climate change, they are on the, on the road and looking for a safer place tonight. You can call them refugees, you can call them uh, illegal migrant or whatever, but they are all of our children. They are all of our children. Yeah, yeah. And this is the problem that so many of them are hidden. They're still hidden. We don't know. Like we don't know much about it. We know that 263 million children have to be in schools and they are not. And if they are not in schools, they must be doing something else somewhere. They are not just playing uh, on their computers. They are dropped out or pushed out from their schools. Uh, and uh, out of these 263, 63 million children have never been to school. That's astonishing. It really is astonishing uh, when we think about the scale of the problem. But I want you to kind of, because from that very first time, you went on to do more raids. And this is something that you do, you know, over and over again, because uh, is this the only way to free these children? No, it was not the only way, mm. but that was the most effective way. Yes. And uh, the smartest way for the speedy uh, rescue uh, or uh, freedom for those children. Coming up next, you're going to hear the story of one of the many children helped by Kailash and the impact that she has had on millions of others. Don't miss it. That's next.
This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. This is Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Welcome back to my special conversation with Nobel Peace Laureate Kailaj Satyarthi. Here he talks to me about fighting for an international law against child slavery and child labor and shares the incredible story of one young girl, Devli, who was able to save more than a million other children. There was no law in India, for example, against child labor until 1986. We were using or just putting the old British laws on paper, but never used. So we were we had to fight for a new law against child labor. There was no international law, Shelley, you will surprised to know that until 1998 there was no international law against child slavery child prostitution use of children in armed conflict as uh, child soldiers or children working in hazardous occupations so in 1998 we organized a worldwide march across 103 countries with this demand that you should have a law my dear leaders of the world there should be a law which can protect millions of children from this kind of menace and inhuman condition and finally we succeeded because the voice of children millions of people and millions of children who participated in the march across 103 countries they their voice could not remain unheard that yeah. was the the voice of allah that was the voice of god that was the voice of divinity nobody had courage the global uh, community the governments had no courage to say no to the children when they the children said that look we want books in our hands we don't want weapons guns we don't want tools in our hands we want toys and books it was accepted by the international community and the law has been made and since then the number of child laborers in the world has been dropped from 260 million to 150 million to be precise 152 million now so in 16 years between 2000 and 2016 the number is much less so remarkable progress has been made by by the world and you started it you started it which is so extraordinary which is why today on june the 12th every year it is the global day against child labor which is extraordinary so i am i am personally uh, i would say feeling accomplished as well as uh, as proud in myself because that is the whole idea which was brought by me to the international labor Mm. organizations general assembly that look there should be one dedicated day for such children a world day against child labor where, where the government the civil society the corporate uh, business leaders academia everybody can not only celebrate and observe that day but they should take a resolve that we are going to put an end to this inhuman practice and that day has been finally accepted and finally we have this world day against child labor every year today as we continue, I want to ask you uh, what it is that each of us can do. But before that, you know, we do hear about all of these statistics and it's great to see the numbers going down. But we need to hear the stories. I know that there are so many for you over the years. You've been working on this for four decades. But talk to me about, you know, one story of, of one young person who you saved, what their life was like before and how it changed after uh, the efforts that you put in place 
to help that child? There are thousands of such yeah. stories you can imagine and all children are my children. Uh, but uh, that made a difference not only in her life but in the lives of millions of children in the world. Not hundreds of thousands but millions. It was Devli, an eight-year-old girl, a uh, victim of intergenerational slavery where her parents borrowed some money from the employers or of the, the grandfathers of the employers. So her parents were born and grew up there. They were forcibly married, uh, one girl and one boy. And finally, Devli was born and some other children were born there, third generation, working in stone quarries. And somehow we came to know and we went to rescue that girl and it was very dangerous operation mm. because uh, that query area was illegally run by a political mafia. He was a politician as well, elected politician. So it was difficult. So when I was bringing that girl back, all children who were sitting with me in the back of the car, I was driving myself because it is always risky to just trust a driver who could be, uh, you know, bribed or so on. And this tiny girl, about eight year old, was sitting just beside me and some children were sitting in the back. They were all traumatized. They could not trust anyone. So I told them that, look, there are some punch up bananas lying in the back of the car. You can pick up and then eat so that they can eat and then we can talk and they can feel easy. So they did not know what to do. So one of the boys uh, just passed on the punch up banana. And the girl asked to another boy that what kind of onion is it? The boy looked here and there, touched the banana and said, neither it's a potato. What kind of onion or potato it is? They have not seen any fruit. They have not tasted any fruit in their life. They have not seen banana. So they were struggling. What is this? So I said, look, this is, this is very delicious. Just eat it. So I was running uh, very fast. I was driving fast. And then I noticed some of the boys and girls were eating banana without peeling and just throwing it away. And some boys and girls were eating, just forcing uh, to eat themselves. And I, I was in tears and I could feel that this is such a small thing but this is the difference of centuries between the slavery and the freedom just simple knowledge of peeling banana and I taught them how to eat banana some of them started eating some of them could not hold it and suddenly I felt the hand of this tiny girl on my shoulder and then uh, she said oh man why didn't you come early? She was angry because she has seen that how her father was beaten up badly and burned with cigarettes when he tried to save his wife who was raped by the employers. She has seen the death, death of her younger brother. And that's why the first time perhaps she, she got the trust in humanity, in society, and with this authority, she was asking me that, why didn't you come early? And this is the question I may ask to everyone, all of our listeners, all the world. This is not question to Kailash Satyarthi. This is question to everyone who believe in Allah, in God, who believe in constitutions and laws, who believe in humanity. Why didn't we go early to protect all those millions of children who may not come and call us, but they are there. They are all of our children. Yeah. 
so but this girl was so pretty so good she was brought to education in our centers we have three rehabilitation centers one for boys two for one for girl and two for boys and she was so smart she was chosen to address a special session on education in the general assembly of united nations in washington dc in united nations building in front of several presidents and prime ministers she told her story the reason was that after going back from my center in her village she pledged that no child would uh, will left behind all children must be attending schools she had withdrawn children from work took the initiative in sending them to schools 30 children almost 30 children were attending the schools and she stood with pride on the dais of united nations and questioned the whole world challenged the whole world that look you are sitting with lot of power and money i am the one who decided that no child will be left behind all children must just go to school i did it what about you why can't you do it like that and that was the day when the world leaders were in tears and they promised 450 million dollars immediately for the education of children in developing countries in africa especially and uh, in latin america and asia mm. and more money was given later on for the education of children due to this moral challenge from devli this girl devli 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 we have to remember that name yeah one child you to started this work and every child is going to have an impact every child is going to have a ripple effect coming up uh, kayla sh- shares with me the impact of the nobel peace prize on his work and he shares what he believes is the most important thing in winning this global struggle against child exploitation that's next right here on life beats on pulse 95 This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. This is Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. I'm in conversation with the global children's rights advocate and Nobel Peace laureate Kailash Satyarthi, all about his mission to end child slavery. Here he tells me about the impact of the Nobel Prize on his work and he shares what he believes is the most important thing in winning this global struggle against child exploitation. Now more than 88,000 children that your foundation has saved now. What talk to us about how you rehabilitate these children what happens to them after they get saved? Once they are saved uh, the most important thing is to bring their trust back in the humanity because they were always always exploited cheated abused so they lost hope and they lost trust so the only and only thing which works is love the true love unconditional love for those children the only thing which works is the compassion once me or my wife or my colleagues all the activists they start feeling compassion a relationship with compassion with those children that makes us to work and drive and that helps because that creates dignity uh, it is not that we are doing a conventional charity as ngo workers but we try to enhance the level of dignity uh, in in our society 
dignity for children, respect for children, love for children. Mm -hmm. So that is not a typical charitable work where our hands are up and the, uh, the, the child's hands are down. We shake hands equally because if we give something and the child receives something, then my hand will always be upper. You're always thoughtful about being on the level of the child. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we have three centers, as I said before, yeah. for their rehabilitation. Once yeah. they are freed, then we have to fight for their re the legal rehabilitation or uh, official rehabilitation. So we fought for the government schemes and now we have several government schemes for the economic rehabilitation, social and psychological rehabilitation for children. Uh, on these raids, you've often faced serious assault and incidents where, you know, you've you've uh, fractured your skull, you have broken uh, your back, you know, all kinds of things have happened to you and you continue to do this. What keeps you going, you know, in the face of, of all of that coming at you? I believe that nothing is more powerful than the smile of freedom on the face of a child. When she is freed or he is freed, the first smile appears on this face. It is like the God is smiling. When the, the mothers of these children cry in tears, the tears roll down on their cheeks, like the God is smiling and saying, Oh, Kalash, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. And that just keeps you going oh, every yeah, course, single time. Oh, of course, of course. As we, we've said, you've been doing this for four decades now. What has been the biggest challenge on this journey for you? The biggest challenge has been the mindset of the society. Some people who are considered naive, they just uh, do some charity work, pity for children. Some people think that children are vulnerable and they, are, they can exploit them physically, mentally, otherwise sexually, and it goes on and on. These kind of things are there. But the biggest problem is that we have not yet been able to build a culture of friendship with the children. And friendship is mutual trust, mutual respect, mutual love. We have to be friend of children. We cannot just impose things on them and their minds. So that is still a challenge that how to create a child-friendly culture where we have we learn respecting each other. And if we are able to do it, we will make this world much more safer, much more beautiful. What does that look like? You know, what, what does that look like in your mind? You know, a child-friendly culture that you use, as you say. If you come to our ashrams, the centers, you will see that all children, all teachers, all managers, me, my, my wife and my friends who visit them, we live together. We learn to learn from children because childhood does not mean an age. Childhood means purity. Childhood means truthfulness, transparency, forgiveness. They can forgive quickly. We don't. No grudge, no bias, no inhibitions. Simple. So we can learn simplicity from children and I try to learn. And if we learn mutually from each other, then we will create much more child-friendly world. So I tell everyone that if there is any truth and purity and kindness inside you, forgiveness inside you. It is not because you are a very learned person, very rich person. It is because a child is still alive inside you. Don't let that child die. Don't let the child die. That's very powerful words. It's true. Uh, but I want to ask you about, of course, your Nobel Peace Prize. We're celebrating this year the fifth uh, anniversary of you receiving that prize. What has that meant for you? What has that meant for your work and awareness around this? 
it was for the first time when the issue of child slavery child labor violence against children has been considered by the nobel committee mm. and uh, i'm very fortunate god has given me this uh this this uh, opportunity uh, or this blessing that it has come through me so the first time this issue has been awarded not just kela satyarthi it was awarded to hundreds of millions of children in the world who are still looking for freedom and education so i did not miss that opportunity i started demanding and advocating for inclusion of children related issues in the sustainable development goals mm. which is the global development agenda so uh, in mdg time millennium development goals i tried my best my colleagues also tried but it was not possible here nothing is changed in my life and me i live in the same small two room apartment i have the same wife same children same friends little bit more in numbers so my life is more or less same but this tag of nobel prize what they call the nobel prize it is like nobel nobel you can enter into any room without ringing the bell so, <laughs> <laughs> so so you can talk to the the presidents and prime minister which i did and finally we have all these things incorporated in the global development agenda mm. so this was my humble uh contribution after the nobel prize right uh, beside many more things but this was so it was important. like a stepping stone for you to be able to do more yeah, of course. to access course, more course. and to do that which is so important and and from that uh you established the laureates and leaders for children initiative talk to us a bit about that what is that there is a serious uh i would say uh dearth or i would say some sort of vacuum of moral power in the world mm. and that's why i thought that let a strong or the strongest possible moral voice for children should emerge from the nobel laureates and some moral leaders who are really devoted their lives for the betterment of humanity and saving humanity so i created a group called laureates and leaders for children mm-hmm. and this is the strongest moral platform for the cause of children mm. so about 60 70 nobel laureates joined it out of them 23 attended two of uh, the the summits of um, laureates and leaders one was in delhi and another was in uh, in jordan coming up next kayla shares his message with children here in sharjah and in schools across the uae and we find out how we can play every single one of us can play a role in ending child slavery this is pulse 95 You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. This is Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Yes, you're listening to a very special episode of Life Beats on Pulse 95 with my interview with Kailash Satyathi. Here he talks about harnessing the power of young people. through his 100 million for 100 million campaign the strongest genuine and i would say the purest power will come from the young people hundreds of youth in the world are looking for uh, some purpose of life they wanted to do something good for the humanity but they don't see any platform and sometimes purpose on the other hand 100 million young people are 
suffering from climate change and conflicts and so on violence poverty illiteracy so i thought that why can't we create a new culture of togetherness new culture of compassion through young people so 100 million youth in the world should become the champions and change makers for the lives of those 100 million who are left out in the world so let us create a culture of youth driven you know uh, value and environment so yes. that the future is safe in the hands of those who love to work for each other and that's why i call it the globalization of compassion through the young people we have globalized everything market economy technology it's about time we market, globalized compassion yeah. as well but this is the time to globalize compassion and this is part of the reason that you're here with us in the uae of course whatever i do I'm, when i am talking to you i am feeling some sort of connect of compassion from in you and i could feel the feeling which you have sally and that is the globalization of compassion we all can connect with each other uh, through our inner soul uh, that is much more spiritual it is beyond any religion beyond any cultures beyond any boundaries and that i do every day and today i'm doing it here but like you say it's at the core it's at the core of every single one of us and yeah. it transcends culture and 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 religion and everything else but you're also speaking to children across the country as well here in the uae talk to me about what you're saying to them what their reaction has been oh children are always powerhouse <laughs> so whenever i am there with them it is re-energizing uh, you know uh, or uh, recharging yeah. my batteries um, the only thing is that um, if we are able to connect with them uh, then uh, it goes mutually so they were very excited i could feel that excitement um, and i am equally excited of course of course, and and this is how they get to be aware about your mission and what you're doing as well. And how can they be part of it? You know, today is, of course, uh, the global day to end child labor. How can these children that you're speaking to be part of it? How can we play a role, each one of us, yeah. play a role in stopping child uh, slavery and yeah. labor so, and exploitation? So first of all, we must understand that there is no problem on the earth which could be solved in isolation in solo nothing could be solved in silo so we have to learn this first of all that this is our world means this is our planet and these are our people and that is possible through the young people secondly as a citizen everybody can raise the voice to their governments to their parliamentarians and any government in the world using the social media that look you are not uh, you know spending enough or putting enough budgetary allocations for the cause of education or safety freedom of children so they can uh, exercise the power of their concern uh, and compassion by using the social media thirdly as consumers they can raise the voice that i'm not going to use those products and services made by child laborers and child slaves uh, so they can be the saviors of uh, industries and saviors of the humanity simultaneously when they are able to influence the corporates uh, and tell them that look you have to make sure that this 
things should not happen in the production of those clothes or uh, shoes or sporting goods or chocolate or any other thing. Mm-hmm. Make our voices heard around that. Is there a way of knowing which uh, companies do this kind of thing or not? Or Well, uh, there are some uh, websites and there are some uh, reports. The One of the uh, the, the, the most, uh, I would say, comprehensive website or knowledge is available uh, through the U.S. Department of Labor and U.S. State Department, uh, which brings the list of uh, countries and list of products uh, where the child labor is involved. And finally, today, of course, we are going to be uh, seeing across the world the global march against uh, child labor. This is something that you started as well. It was not really me. I was the facilitator, Hmm. but it was led by the survivors of slavery, trafficking, prostitution. Uh, 15 million people participated in the global march in 1998, and out of them half were children who were the survivors of these kind of problems which are man-made, not by children but by adults. These problems were made. So they should... They are the real heroes. They are the real people to be saluted for this day of 12th of June. Because of them, it was possible. Me or other activists kept on crying, talking, shouting. Perhaps the the governments will never listen. But when it comes from the victims and survivors themselves, then this power cannot be ignored. They have the most powerful voice because this, this is the voice of purity. Yeah, yeah. You said that over and over again. Yeah. It's so right. And we are going to be making our voices heard as well. Kailash Satyathi, what an absolute pleasure it is to have you joining us here. What an honor. And uh, to hear your story and to be part of it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks to all the listeners and the radio station and all the colleagues. Thank you so much. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.